by the system, the painfully tragic case of the Plymouth shootings and Jake Davison. Eight minutes, five victims, two injuries, one voluntary and aliving, and many tears shed. This is the case of Jake Davison and the painful Plymouth shootings of 2021. Echo, if you wouldn't mind taking the trigger warnings, please. This case contains topics of incel culture, mass killings, and unaliving of oneself. So, if you aren't in the mindset to listen to this, we totally understand and hope to see you in a different episode. Please look after yourself and your own mental health. Let's discuss the background in this case. In 2021, Jake Davison was 22 years old. He was described as thick-set and strong, thanks to regular gym workouts and steroids. He is reported to have been obsessed with corrosive incel culture. Incel meaning involuntary celibate, and fascinated by mass killings. At the time, Jake was working as an apprentice crane operator. He had a history of violence that started at school. Jake attended a school that catered towards those who have autistic spectrum disorder, also known as ASD. And while at school, he is reported to have punched a fellow pupil, put a teacher in a headlock, and have headbutted another. We would like to note that his conditions are correct for the time that he attended school. Since then, Asperger's has been reassessed and included in ASD, which is why we have said that he had ASD and not Asperger's, though he was originally diagnosed as having Asperger's syndrome. This is also known in some regions as ASC. Now, over to Turtle, as this is her area of expertise. We think it's important to discuss ASD here, as the actions of the individual do not a generalisation make, but there is notable misunderstanding and stereotyping of the condition. Autism is now understood as being a spectrum, and this is due to the fact that every individual with autism has their own specific traits and characteristics that make it very difficult to design a specific test to diagnose the condition. However, every autistic individual will experience difficulties in three areas to varying degrees. This is known as the triad of impairments, which describes these areas of difficulty as being an impairment of social relationships, an impairment of communication and an impairment of imaginative thought. It is due to the varying degrees of difficulty in these three categories and the fact that every autistic individual has their own specific traits and characteristics that Dr Lorna Wing used the phrase autism spectrum disorder. To put this into further perspective, here are just a few examples of as to how the characteristics can vary from person to person. One autistic individual could have severe learning disability, while another could have normal or superior levels of intellect. Some autistic individuals can be non-verbal and unable to communicate verbally, while others have complex and correct speech. Some of those on the spectrum have no reaction at all towards others, while those on the other side of the spectrum may be able to interact with others, but do this in an odd or inappropriate way. This next one is a common stereotype of autism, 
Some of those on the spectrum have special or unusual interests in particular a topic, while others may not display this characteristic and instead may have challenging behaviour or self-injuring behaviour. The triad of impairment was a theory based on research conducted by Wing and Gould in 1979, which brought all previous research together. This is now often reduced to two areas of impairment, known as the dyad of impairment, which consists of difficulties in two main areas, social communication, restrictive repetitive patterns of behaviour, interests or activities. This includes sensory difficulties. The positive point of the triad is that there are more underlying impairments identified, which is why some of people are critical of the dyad and believe that it may lead to some individuals remaining undiagnosed. Autistic individuals can have different degrees of learning disability, and this can affect all aspects of their lives. Some individuals are able to live fairly independently, while some may need support to live on their own, and others will require lifelong specialist support. Interestingly, people who have been previously diagnosed as Asperger's syndrome do not usually have accompanying learning disabilities but may still have specific learning difficulties such as dyslexia or other related conditions like ADHD or epilepsy. Thank you for that, Turtle. Now, back to Jake Davison. At age 12, Davison assaulted two teachers at Mount Tama School and succeeded in putting one in a headlock twice. During the incident, he spat on them and headbutt another. Cams and his GP were all familiar with his obsession with firearms growing up and made note of his dreams of running a target range in America or becoming a sniper. By the time he had turned 18, his mother had raised her deep concerns regarding his fixation with guns. She had stated to career advisors that he would spend hours online chatting to rednecks from Texas. Her concerns were enough that the career advisors who heard her concerns contacted the local PREVENT program, which is designed to divert people away from terrorism, though PREVENT did not take up the case. In July 2017, Jake applied for a shotgun certificate, claiming that he wanted to use it for clay pigeon shooting. He used a former teacher as a referee, declared his Asperger's and autism, and gave permission for review officers to approach his GP. The review officers gave little weight to his history of violence, which police were aware of, nor did they seem phased by his long-standing fascination with firearms. They did, however, approach his GP, who declined to offer a report, citing that the report sought an opinion on matters falling outside of my medical expertise. After this, Davison was granted the certificate in 2018 and he became the legal holder of a Weatherby pump action shotgun. In September 2020, Davison got into a row with some teenagers in a skate park after one of them called him fat. This is where his violence escalated for the first time. Jake is reported to have punched the 16-year-old boy at least five times, potentially knocking the boy out and slapped a young girl aged 15. Davison went home, where he is said to have grabbed his shotgun, loaded it, and th was threatening to go back to the park. Fortunately, on this occasion, his mother was able to talk him down. He was arrested, and after a short delay, his shotgun and certificate were seized. However, because of roadblocks caused by the pandemic, 
the police were pressured not to send any more cases to court. The offence was downgraded from actual bodily harm to battery, and Jake was allowed to enrol in a restorative justice pathfinder scheme. Following the completion of the programme in July 2021, Jake Davison was granted the return of his shotgun and the licensing certificate. What's really baffling here is that this was done without a senior officer's review. Devon and Cornwall Police later accepted that this is not something that should have happened. Over to you, Turtle. In the years leading up to the Plymouth shootings, Davison is reported to have treated his mother awfully. Former partners to his mother said he treated her like a slave and that there were many rows in which frequently ended with holes pinched into walls. In the weeks leading up to the attack, he allegedly said that he hated her and called her vile. During this time, he also became increasingly obsessed with incel culture. At one point, he posted a video about his attack on the youth in the park, stating in it, this is why incels were more prone to killing themselves or going on a killing spree. Davison is said to have described herself as, quote, a virgin, fat and ugly. I like to think that sometimes I'm the Terminator, end quote. He is said to have looked into Elliot Roger, a mass killer who was idolised by the incel community and the 1987 Hungerford mass shootings in Berkshire, where 16 people tragically lost their lives. For those of you who may not know, Elliot Roger, known as ER, was a spree killer who murdered six people in 2014 as part of his War on Women. This led to incels idolising Roger and dubbing him Saint Elliot. Thanks, Eka. Days before the killings, his search history showed that he searched for information regarding the US serial killer Ted Bundy, watched videos of firearms and how to use them, and posted a clip from an online game called Killzone. Mere hours before the killings, he viewed an online thread that was discussing why incels felt the need to end their own lives and also looked up posts on kidnapping. Incel culture. For those who aren't familiar with the incel culture or what it is, here is a brief summary. Incel is an abbreviated single word version of the phrase involuntary celibate. It is a subculture of the internet full of individuals who define themselves as unable to have any success in obtaining romantic or sexual partners despite desiring them. Forums within the culture are often characterized as full of resentment, misogyny, pity and loathing of oneself, and a sense of entitlement towards sex. In the cases of some forums, this can be also extended to racism and misanthropy, and in extreme cases, it is prime R-word culture, with the endorsement of violence against women and sexually active people. An organisation called the Southern Poverty Law Centre described the incel culture as, quote, part of the online male supremacist ecosystem. That was included in their list of hate groups. Most commonly, incels are mostly male and heterosexual. Since 2014, there have been many violent or attempted violent occurrences perpetrated by those who are self-pronounced incels. And I'm going to hand it over to you, Turtle, for the event. Before I talk about the event, I just want to say, similar with the autism 
one individual does not a generalization make it's the same here incel culture has a bad rep but i'm sure that it doesn't apply to everyone i would be inclined to agree Turtle. i don't think everyone who in some form or another feels as though they are involuntary celibate is going to be along the lines of what we're going to well what we're discussing in this episode and or of the lines of Elliot Rogers or violence some may just be incredibly socially awkward kids that just don't know how to communicate with those of the opposite gender or of the same gender yeah and for that they may feel as though they've been ostracized and become involuntary celibate and they may not be hateful they just might be lonely yep moving on to the event the attack started when Davison grabbed his mom Maxine by the throat in their bedroom of their home Shortly after the altercation, Maxine calls a relative begging for help. Sadly, before help could come, he had picked up his gun and fired at her twice, once from a mere metre away. She could never have survived her wounds. He left his house and immediately happened to stumble on Lee Martin, aged 43, and his three-year-old daughter Sophie as they walked the family dog. Lee was shot three times, while Sophie was shot just once, This was also from a metre away. In a stark contrast to the event that was unfolding around them, witnesses described them as looking really peaceful, as if cradling one another. While smirking, Davison fired shots into the homes of his neighbours, Michelle Parker and her son, Ben Parsonage, fortunately only injuring them both. Parsonage describes Davison as not caring what he was doing. Next, Davison left the cul-de-sac and walked into a park where he encountered Stephen Washington, aged 59, who was walking his dog. Davison shot him, it's believed his death was quick. Davison left the park and came across his final victim, Kate Shepard, aged 66, outside a hair salon as she walked home from a shopping trip. She was shot from no further than three metres. In a total of eight minutes, five people had been fatally shot, the youngest being just three years old. Sadly, the bloodshed was not over. Following Kate Shepard's shooting, Davison fled down a side street, only to return when emergency services came to Kate's aid. An unarmed officer, PC Printer, saw Davison and ran towards him, shouting at him to stand still. At this point, Davison turned the gun on himself. As PC printer got within 20 metres of him, Davison pulled the trigger. 19 minutes after he had killed his mother, Jake Davison died from self-inflicted fatal head injuries. Now on to the victims. It is always important to remember the victims of crimes, and here is no different. For each of them were people, they had their own lives, families, hopes and dreams. In this section we are going to talk about each of them and the unique individuals they were. The quote, it was an act of pure evil, was stated, 
and though it may be true, within the darkness, their memories and love for the victims, and that which the victims felt for their families, will forever shine bright. Handing it to you, Turtle. Starting with the youngest, we have Sophie Martin. She was just three and was described as a daddy's girl through and through, also known as Daddy's Little Princess. She loved caring for others, as was shown by the purple scruffy looking pushchair and beige teddy wearing a white and green check scarf with a white motif on the front, found near to her body in the aftermath. In an inquest, her mum Rebecca Martin explained that it was her favourite buggy, which Sophie would always place a doll or a toy in. Her mum described her as a typical redhead, always in charge, fierce and unwavering. On the evening of the shooting, Sophie was with her dad after having spent the day with her mum and brother. She was wearing a white dress when they went to walk the family dog. Mrs Martin is quoted as saying, From knowledge of previous walks, she would push the buggy for a short while before giving up and one of us would have to carry it home. Lee Martin, aged 43, adored his daughter and definitely would have done anything and everything to protect her. For this reason, his wife thinks that this was why he was attacked first. He had been married to Miss Martin. He had been married to Mrs. Martin for 12 years, and in the inquest, she described him as a family man. He would have chosen to protect his family if ever confronted with a violent situation. He was a lover of football, and was an Everton supporter, and played as often as he could. He worked for the Princess Yachts and was described as being wonderfully thoughtful when it came to gifts and he loved being a fun dad. Both of their children adored Lee and he called daughter Sophie daddy's princess. Mrs. Martin started to worry after they had failed to return home and friends had told her about reports of a shooting. She said she sent a WhatsApp message to her husband at 6.13 p.m but he never read it. Stephen Washington was born in Surrey and was fostered by a couple who had fostered a hundred children before he was adopted by them at age 16. Mr Washington's wife Sheila said they were married in 1983 and had four children in the following five years. He got a job as a baggage handler at Heathrow Airport and they had their fifth child before the family moved to Keyham in 1994. In later years, Mr. Washington became his wife's carer. He loved spending time with their grandchildren and was described as a real family man. Mrs. Washington said shortly after he left their house that night, she heard loud bangs and became worried when one of their pet huskies, Poppy, came home all alone. She is quoted as saying, quote, I opened the door and Poppy came running into the house with her leaves attached. She was shaking, end quote. She asked family members to look for her husband, but they had been unable to. At 10.55pm, two police officers knocked on her door as she was reunited with her second dog, Drift, and with the bad news regarding her husband. She is quoted as saying, quote, Never could I imagine losing him in such a horrendous circumstance. End quote. He was 59 when his life was stolen from him by Jake. Kate Shepherd, 66, was the shining light at the centre of the lives of her husband and two sons. In their statement, they described her as a vibrantly courageous artist 
who chose colourful artistic friends, laughing and dancing her way throughout, through her childhood. She was born in Woolwich and became a successful textile designer after studying at Camberwell Art College. She met her husband John 43 years ago and ran a shop in Greenwich for a while, living above it with George and his brother Guy. The family of four moved to Cornwall where their third son Bill was born and took on a beat shop. Mr Shepherd said, Kate cared for the boys like a lioness. She celebrated their achievements and enjoyed their moments of creative naughtiness. When their son Guy died at the age 16 from sudden adult death syndrome, Mrs Shepherd showed incredible resilience to the inquest heard. Bill Shepherd said, quote, Mom was always doing her best to keep our family going, even through difficult times. She's the strongest person that I've ever met, end quote. Just weeks before her death, where her husband tragically found her dying in the road, she had become a grandmother for the first time. His father added, the best decision in my life was marrying Kate. Jake's relationship with his mother. 51-year-old Maxine Davison. In an inquest, Maxine was described as being absolutely devoted to Jake and protective of him. She was said to be warm and naturally funny, with a knack of always being able to make people laugh. A statement read at the inquest by Nick Stanage, the representative of her children, Josh and Zoe, described their mother as a complicated person and a contrast of many different things. Though, it was also noted that she had a free-spirited soul. After her mother's death when she was young and some other difficulties she had faced, it caused her to be tough, resourceful, independent and strong-willed. The statement also showed a different side to Maxine. If ever a person could be said to have had her head in the clouds, it was Mum. She seemed to travel with the universe with her feet, very much off the ground. It was almost like she wasn't quite designed for this earth, end quote. A statement written by her children is quoted as saying, Jake had autism and attended a school which focused on his needs. Mum was absolutely devoted to Jake and very protective of him. He was very much the main focus of her life. It's been suggested in reports that Maxine had been desperately struggling to get help for Jake. She had concerns about his mental health and tried reaching out. She'd even reported him to the Counterterrorism Prevent Programme. Jake's relationship with his mother was reportedly turbulent, according to a statement from Maxine's ex-boyfriend, Darren Wood. Darren had been in prison at the time of the brutal shootings, but had been in regular contact with Maxine. Darren told the inquest that he had a relationship with Maxine, which began around July 2020. During the course of their relationship, he lived with her and Jake. When describing, when describing what it was like living with Jake, Darren said it was tense, with Jake being well-versed on ammunitions and guns, and that shotgun cartridges were left around the house, showing up in strange and unlikely places such as fitness machines and toolboxes. Additionally, he told the inquest that seemingly every time he called Maxine, he would hear Jake arguing with her. He recalled one occasion where Jake was arguing about a passport because he wanted to go to America. Darren also stated that Maxine was trying to get Jake to attend a shooting range in the hopes that it would curb Jake's, ad Jake's aggression. On August 12th, 
Maxine is reported to have called from prison where she was arguing with Jake, where she revealed that Jake's sister had 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 to come over the previous day because Jake kept threatening Maxine with her life, Darren also stated. Darren is said to have had concerns about the behaviours Jake demonstrated towards his mum, describing their relationship as brutal and Jake as treating her like a slave. Darren insisted that Jake took over the house with various rooms. He disregarded her opinions about the guns and how she didn't want it in the house. He would force her to buy things like clothes while he spent his earnings on sweets and energy drinks. Darren stated in the end he couldn't cope with Jake's treatment of his mum and moved out. Darren testified in the inquest that the relationship ended when he came over unexpectedly and found Jake allegedly choking the life out of Maxine and pinning her down. He said the only way to get Jake off was to beat him off. We may look no further to, as to Jake's opinion of his mom than the videos he posted online where he described her as a dirty, insufferable and vile creature. Following these shootings, an inquest into how these horrific events transpired took place. During the inquest, Devon and Cornwall Police accepted that he should never have been given a certificate for his pump-action shotgun. According to The Guardian, during the inquest, the licensing officer who made the recommendation for Jake to receive the gun license stated that Devon and Cornwall's firearms and explosive licensing unit was a dangerous shambles and revealed that he had received no formal job training. The inquest was told there had been a raft of problems within the units, including budgetary pressures, staff numbers being reduced, and a culture of officers being too tolerant of risk. Despite his search history, police insist there was no evidence that Davison had premeditated or in any way planned this tragic attack, or that incel culture inspired the shootings and in fairness, we have previously said that the actions of an individual do not a generalisation make. We said it in this episode. Multiple times now. Yes, it's like the third time we should have a drinking game. Always drink responsibly. Much like with what occurred in the incel community with Elliot Roger, in the days after Davison mercilessly murdered five people, he was hailed as a saint by some disgusting, like-minded misogynists. Some on the message board postings the day after the Plymouth shootings welcomed the atrocity. One is quoted as having written, quote, we were overdue a new ER, end quote. Others in the community have rejected him for killing a child. Dr. Lewis Brace, an expert on incel culture from the Exeter University, said, there were some who praised him based on the logic that it doesn't matter who you target, all of society contributes to these problems. But there were some saying, no, you should target women. They're the ones creating the situation for us. You've killed indiscriminately and you've killed a child. There has been a rise in the number of young men being referred to the government's prevent scheme over the incel ideology. Described as an emerging risk, counter-terrorism officials believe that this is in part due to the spread of the ideology and a growing awareness of its dangers after the Plymouth shootings. I do want to put a little echo insert here. 
Um, to our audience, if any of you are feeling as though feeling depressed or anything like that, feeling overall crappy and you're blaming everyone around you whether you are part of this incel subculture or not you know there are people that do understand and that are there for you and will help you get through this and see the lighting build yourself as a person again these sorts of acts should never be promoted as or hailed as being a saint or anything like that they are absolutely horrendous acts of violence and it's not needed in this world and for someone to get to the point that they feel that that is necessary means that our system is failing them massively it is not women's fault it is not Chad and Stacy's fault or whatever it is that they are being systematically failed for one reason or another and that is by the system not by the pretty young blonde who's just walked down the street back to the case a systematic failing of services what makes this case even more harrowing is the repeated failing to act by the officials that we are supposed to put our faith in. Turtle could easily write an essay about the police and negligence. Goodness knows she's talked our ears off about it. Turtle could easily write an essay about the police and negligence. Goodness knows she's talked my ear off about it on multiple occasions. But here especially, giving Jake his gun back not giving him jail and adequate rehabilitation, it was one bad call after another. Prevent, a counter-terrorism group, has their statistics for 2022 on the .gov.uk website and have a graph that demonstrates the total number of referrals received. 29% of them were for people of similar ages to Jake. Feel free to go and check this out for yourself for more of the statistics. In response to being asked why it had been declined, a representative said, quote, the fact that we had no evidence that he had expressed any views to do harm to our knowledge, end quote. Which this is totally false as we've been through because he'd expressed that he wanted to be a sniper. Just that alone, never mind the rest. There are no exact figures regarding the prevalence of autism, meaning the total number of cases of the condition in the UK, because there is no register or exact count kept. However, according to the Adult Psychiatric Morbidity Survey in 2014, the estimated prevalence in the UK was 0.7% of the adult population. These rates are estimated to be higher among men at 1.5% than women at 0.2%. The estimation of the prevalence of childhood autism in the UK is approximately 1%, and again, it's believed to be higher in boys than in girls. 
Jake Davison was a radicalised individual with various neurodevelopmental conditions that made him more susceptible to online conditioning, such as what he was exposed to within the online incel community. And the additional mental health issues and the constant dismissal of his mother's concerns were a big contributor to what happened here. Mental health issues can affect anyone at any time in their life, not just those with autism. However, autism is strongly associated with a number of coexisting conditions, and recent studies have shown that approximately 70% of autistic individuals also meet the criteria in diagnostic tests for at least one other psychiatric disorder that may cause further psychological dysfunctioning. Further to this, it is mentioned in the DSM-5 that undiagnosed individuals with autism and ADHD are more prone to having depression and anxiety. And while Jake was diagnosed, he wasn't supported very well, which is just as bad and can make you just as susceptible to depression. Approximately 40% of autistic individuals... Approximately 40% of autistic adults and 8% of autistic children and adolescents have experienced depression and it is also possible for autism to be mistaken for depression and vice versa as they may appear to have overlapping traits including difficulties with concentration, having neutral or emotionless facial expression and voice and a lack of interest in socialising as well as sleep problems. However as the 2019 study brings to the forefront the overlap to However, as the 2019 study brings to the forefront, the overlapping symptoms alone don't fully explain why depression is so common among the autistic community. There may be other factors at play. Just as we have done with so many other cases, I think just about every case so far, um, we are going to delve a little bit deeper into depression in autistic individuals, both to raise awareness and because it could save lives. So let us begin by discussing why depression may be so prominent in autistic individuals. Have fun, Turtle. The first potential cause that may be at play in these figures is discrimination. Research suggests that autistic individuals are more likely to be bullied and isolated by their peers. It's long been known that bullying can result in lifelong mental health problems such as depression. Autistic individuals also often face discrimination due to a lack of societal acceptance of the condition. A 2018 paper found that social stigma causes stress that may very well contribute to the heightened heart rates of mental illness in autistic individuals. Another potential factor is attentional biases, which a research study in 2020 found is prevalent in those with ASD and those who suffer with depression. An attentional bias is the tendency to ignore certain things whilst focusing on others. Researchers found that both autistic adults and in and adults with depression showed intentional bias towards the negative emotional material. Researchers argue that the repetitive cognition could also explain why autistic people are more likely to have depression. Repetitive cognition is the tendency to repeatedly think about and ruminate on certain ideas uh, that phrase there like a dog with a bone. And repeatedly thinking negative thoughts is a risk factor for depression. So a quick TLDR is that repetitive cognition and an attentional bias toward negative material are both common characteristics of ASD and risk factors for depression. Another potential factor and common feature of ASD is alexithymia. This is when a person experiences having difficulty in identifying and describing their emotions. Some research suggests that alexithymia can increase the risks of developing depression. 
It also suggested that there is significant overlap between autistic people and people with alexithymia. What we are going to discuss next may save a life both literally and metaphorically. Autistic people may have similar symptoms of depression as the general population, however some symptoms can differ. For example, a 2020 study found that depression in children with autism often displays itself as an insomnia and restlessness rather than feelings of sadness. Other than insomnia and restlessness, the symptoms of depression can include changes in weight and appetite, crying frequently, decreased energy or fatigue, difficulty concentrating, remembering or making decisions, feeling hopeless, worthless and pessimistic, feeling sad, numb or empty, increased irritability or anger, a lack of interest in usual hobbies and activities, moving or talking slowly, physical pain with no clear causes including cramps, digestive issues and headaches, sleep difficulties including insomnia and oversleeping, social withdrawal, thoughts of voluntarily unaliving, hurting oneself or death. It is possible to experience the above symptoms without meeting all of the criteria for a diagnosis of major depressive disorder. In some cases, another diagnosis might be a better fit. Regardless of the diagnosis, it's always a good idea to seek professional support if you or a loved one are experiencing these symptoms. The support is available out there, and if anyone is listening to this podcast and is experiencing any cluster of these symptoms, with or without an ASD diagnosis, then please reach out to someone. Thank you for that, Turtle. I think I speak for everyone in The Shit Detectives that we truly hope that this information, though it was a lot taken at once, really helps someone out there who may be in a battle against depression. There are some other areas that severely failed Jake Davison and Maxine that are important to note. As a part of the Autism Act 2009, the government produced statutory guidance for local councils and health authorities on implementing the adult autism strategy and in 2015 the updated version provided guidance on preventative support and safeguarding which it appears wasn't followed to the full extent in this case. Maxine did her best by reaching out to services and those around her for support with Jake's aggressive tendencies but What can you do when either no one knows how to help or no one is willing to help? Our thoughts and opinions. As you previously mentioned, I talk your ear off regularly about systemic failures. And this case, this case has me so, so mad about the continued failing of the system here. We always try to not make it political and I'm going to try my best to phrase this as non-politically as possible. But financial cuts only go so far in my opinion. At some point it then becomes incompetence and negligence. No amount of money or blame acceptance will bring these people back to their loved ones. But passing the blame and trying to avoid responsibility doesn't actually ensure that something like this doesn't happen again. You could learn from what has happened here. You could do an investigation and you could learn and you could reflect and you could strangely enough prevent, you could prevent something like this happening again. Unlike Hungerford, where they were like, oh, maybe we should review our gun laws. They were, ah, but COVID and funding and all the usual hogwash. People 
died. A three-year-old girl died while she was out on a walk with her dad. Maxine, a mum who was begging and screaming for help so much so she reported her child to a counter-terrorism group, reached out for extra support, she voiced her concerns and she just got shut down or passed on to idle hands and she died. It wasn't because she didn't do anything that these people lost their lives. It's because the system did nothing. It's long since been obvious that the Davison family needed someone to intervene with Jake's violent tendencies and nobody did. We have laws about medical sections for a reason. I completely agree with you there, Tell. I really do. As an individual with ASD myself, diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome just as Jake Davison was, I'm honestly appalled that none of her concerns were acted upon. It has been a long-standing issue in this country that trying to access support for autism as an adult is damn near impossible due to lack of funding or lack of knowledge and training, etc, etc. The list goes on. But she also reached out to the anti-terrorism organisation and her concerns were dismissed. So many crucial areas are vastly underfunded in this country and as issues rise because of it, the passing of blame needs to stop. We need to be funding these vital services that contribute vastly to our health, safety and well-being, for they are most paramount. The NHS, public services and organisations that work to de-radicalise our youth in society. I'm getting a bit political here. I'm sorry. And I honestly cannot stress it enough that one individual does not make a generalisation. Traits and characteristics are unique to all individuals with ASD. One of mine being that I'm openly a perpetual know-it-all. But not all autistics are like that. That's just one of my traits. And I think our returning listeners will probably have come to know that by now. Not all autistic individuals are violent. In actuality, those who are ASD are more likely to be victims of crime. But Jake Davison really has created a setback. And I'm putting this out there now, the amount when we were doing the research for this case the amount of headlines that you come across that seemed to focus on him having autism as though to brand everyone who is diagnosed as having ASD as being violent like him is disgraceful of our media because we are not yeah well the media do it with everyone don't they anyone who's the slightest bit out of what they deem ordinary gets um gets branded and stuff like you know and that brand is then splashed across everywhere yeah and it can be quite hurtful and damaging for people and again i've already stressed this once in the episode 
but I'm going to stress it again. If anyone is feeling lonely, depressed, isolated, just downright crappy, reach out. Don't just suffer in silence. Don't get to a point where you become aggressive and violent. If you can see an issue in yourself or if you can see that some a loved one is showing aggressive tendencies, violent tendencies, reach out, make your voice heard. Because even though it didn't work in this case with Maxine, the more you make your voice heard, the more likely something will be done. If you just stay silent, you know that nothing will be done. Maxine did right. It was everybody else that failed her. And hopefully, if people do keep making their voices heard when they do have concerns, that means that um, the likelihood of such ca cases as this can be avoided. Anything more from you, Turtle? No, you pretty much covered it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to close the episode then. Um, so if you like this episode, please do give it a like, subscribe for future videos. We upload every Monday. Um, so subscribe, or if you're listening to us on Amazon Music or Spotify, follow us, give us a rating, please. It really helps us in that algorithm. And stay tuned for future episodes. Um, if there's a particular case that you would like us to cover, you can comment on our YouTube video, or you can comment on one of our TikTok videos. You can comment on Facebook, Instagram. They are there. Please do threads. comment if if there, yeah, threads. Um, so please do comment if there is a case you would like us to cover. We do love hearing from you guys, and we would also like to know your opinions of this case. Oh, uh, just also throwing out there, we are no longer active on the X platform um, because I lost access to it because I'm dead clever like that. <laughs> so, yeah, um, and we hope to see you again in our next episode. Bye! Bye.